I keep you. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Minister Eugene Williams. I'm so happy to be with you today. On behalf of uh, the Ray of Hope Christian Church and our founder and senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia L. Hale, I greet you with Jesus' joy. And I'm so grateful uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you and to preach with you this morning. Uh, my brother and my friend, Charles Hamilton, Pastor Hamilton, uh, when, I, when he invited me, I was elated uh, to accept, and I'm so glad that I'm here with you all today. I won't belabor the time too long, so I want you to go with me uh, in the book of Acts. Go with me to the book of Acts this morning. We'll be in the 19th chapter. The book of Acts, the 19th chapter, uh, verses 11 through 20. Verses 11 through 20. They read this way. It says that God was doing unusual miracles through Paul. Even the small towels and aprons that had touched his skin were taken to the sick and their diseases were cured. And even the evil spirits left them. There were some Jews who traveled around throwing out evil spirits. They tried to use the power of the name of the Lord Jesus against some people with evil spirits. They, they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you. The seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I'm familiar with Paul, but who are you? The person who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them with all, uh, overpowered them all with such force that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus. Everyone was seized with fear that they had that they held the name of the Lord Jesus in the highest regard. Many of those who had come to believe came confessing their past practices. This included a number of people who practiced sorcery. They collected their sorcery texts and burned them publicly. The value of those materials was calculated at more than someone might make if they worked 165 years, or some translations would put it at $50,000. Verse 20 says, in this way, the Lord's word grew abundantly and strengthened powerfully. New Morning Light, I want to preach with you this morning from the thought, who are you? Pray with me, please. Gracious God, our creator, we thank you for this opportunity of worship and word. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight. We pray that whatever is done and said in the next few moments will be edifying to your people and glorifying to your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Who are you? Brothers and sisters, when I was a child, one of, the, one of my favorite conversations to have with my friends or with my parents or with family members was about what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do when I grew up. 
I would always talk about uh, how I wanted to be a businessman or a, or a police officer. I would talk about how I wanted to be a firefighter, firefighter or an officer in the U.S. Marines. But I ended up letting go of the dream of becoming a police officer. Becoming a businessman looks totally different than how I first imagined. I never thought twice about being a firefighter, and, and, those, and though I came close, I, I ultimately did not become a Marine Corps officer. There were some things that I, had to, that I dreamed of as a child that I had to let go of as I grew older. However, there was, there was one thing that I, that I said as a child uh, that I wanted to be, that I wanted to do, that I could just never shake. Because my grandfather was a pastor and I grew up in the church, I used to tell people, man, I want to be a preacher one day. I was raised in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. So I thought that I was just being influenced by what I saw, just like I was influenced when I saw a police officer or a firefighter. I thought that, that this idea was of being a preacher was something that I, I just worked up in my head. Something I had thought of in my own mind, something I had concocted for myself, because that is what I saw. But in fact, it was a seed that was planted in my spirit long before I even uttered that phrase as a child. This calling to ministry, this calling to become a preacher was something that I spent years trying to get away from. I, I was like my uncle. He told me, he said, I, hung, I, got, I got the call, but, but I hung up. And the problem for me was, is that, that God just kept calling me back. I was like so many other preachers that I ran from the call. And, 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 and we think that we can run from the call. We can run as fast and as far as we think we can go, but we'll never be able to, be able to outrun the call and the purpose and the destiny that God has for our lives. I almost became a Marine Corps officer, but that didn't work out for me. I almost got comfortable managing restaurants to the point that I almost became a franchisee. But that, that fell apart. That didn't work out for me either. I almost dedicated my life to becoming an airline executive, but, but that didn't work out. It's been said that almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I, I almost uh, gave up on everything and got stuck in a cycle of settling for less than what God was calling me to be. But it wasn't until April 14th. 2013 that I heard a sermon that changed my life. On that Sunday at Antioch Missionary Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Pastor Donnie Garris preached a sermon entitled, There's Something the Lord Wants You to Do. Pastor Garris was in the middle of a sermon series in which he was encouraging the congregation to focus on and commit to the things that God calls all of his disciples to do. Pastor Garris, when he preached that sermon, there's something the Lord wants you to do. Uh, the Holy Spirit activated that seed that was planted into, in me long ago. That seed that was planted in me uh, was activated and, and, and the word became active in my life in that moment. When Pastor Garris uh, finished the benediction, before he could barely finish the benediction, I was in the pulpit and I expressed to him that I felt like the Lord was calling me to the preaching ministry. The word of the Lord had blossomed in my heart. It, it grew abundantly and it strengthened powerfully. One word from God was active over my entire life. It grew abundantly. It strengthened powerfully and it can be active in your life just as much. 
from my childhood to April 14th, 2013, and even to this day, the word of the Lord has been active. It has been active since the very moment that God stepped out on nothing and spoke everything into being something. The word uh, of God has been active since the beginning of time, and it was active in the days of the Acts of the Apostles. And it is active today if you're listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you through this message. We're in the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. This book is strategically placed in place where it is in the Bible. It's right after the Gospels. And it's right after the Gospels because it, it, it's, it's the second volume of the Gospel of Luke. The same author wrote both books. Can I teach for just a moment? Acts is an anthology or a selective history of the, of, of the Christ movement that was called The Way. Some of the themes that Luke underscores in the book of Acts are, are the absolute reliability of God's word. He underscores the work of the Holy Spirit that guides, that empowers the witness of the apostles and the church in the, in the ancient world. Some scholars even argue that this book would be more accurately entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's a narrative of the establishment and the spread of the early church in the ancient world. The writer tells this narrative in, a, in cyclical episodes and ultimately these cycles always lead to the word of the Lord growing abundantly, the numbers of disciples being multiplied, multiplied greatly, and the church being strengthened powerfully. One of the running motifs in the book of Acts is how consistently new disciples were added to the church. In Acts, Luke tells us about the ministry of the apostles. He deals primarily with the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul and how the events of their ministries often parallel each other and the ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus had the power to raise people from the dead. And the book of Acts tells us that Peter and Paul had that same power. Jesus, just like Jesus, Peter and Paul could cast out demons by commanding them to come out. Jesus could speak uh, or lay hands on, on the sick and they would be made whole after just one encounter with him. In Acts, Peter's shadow passed over the sick and they were healed. And Paul could heal the sick just as well. Look at the text. It's a very, very interesting text. Just like Jesus and Peter. The text tells us that God was doing unusual or extraordinary miracles through Paul. Paul was so empowered by the Spirit of God that even the small towels and the, and the, and the aprons that simply touched his skin manifested the Holy Spirit so much that the sicknesses and the diseases of people were cured by simply touching the cloth that touched his skin. I want to submit to you today, brothers and sisters, that the same power that Jesus had and the same power that Peter had and the same power that Paul had is the same power that dwells in you. God can, God can do unusual miracles through you. In fact, God wants to do unusual and extraordinary miracles through you because the spirit of God, that same spirit, that same power dwells in you today. The same spirit that, that empowered Peter and Paul is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same spirit that God blew into the nostrils of humankind and it's the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep. And it's that same spirit brothers and sisters, that same spirit of the living God that empowers you. There's something that the Lord wants you to do. 
And in order for us to, to get ready for where God would have us to serve, we have to feed our spirits. What do you mean? What do you mean, E.P.? What do you mean by feeding our spirits? Well, one day a man bought two puppies and, and it quickly became apparent that, that these two dogs were always fighting one another. When they were in the cage, they were fighting one another. When they were in the house, they were, they were fighting one another. When they were in the, in the yard, they were fighting one another. And one day, uh, the man's neighbor asked him about the dogs fighting all the time. She said, hey, hey neighbor, uh, I, I noticed... I notice your dogs are always fighting. There's, they're always at war with each other. Which one is going to win in the end? The man looked up at, looked up at his neighbor. He looked up, at, looked up at her and said, the one that will win is whichever one I feed the most. Friends, I just stopped by to tell you that, that we will be well able to bear the weight of what God has for us with increasing strength if we make the choice to feed our spirits more than we feed our flesh. There are two dogs at war within each of us. One dog is the flesh and the other dog is the spirit and we all have a choice to make. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I, I, I want to do good, but, but, but the good I would do, I, I, I don't do. Uh, because when I would do good, I don't do good because evil is always right there with me. So I find that there is an internal war that is raging within me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of death? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that I'm saved by that name. Listen, there is something about the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in that name. There's strength in that name. There's confidence in that name. There's peace in that name. There's joy in that name. There's wisdom in that name. There's love in that name. There's healing in that name. And, and I'm so glad that I'm connected to and covered by that name. You see, the text says the seven sons of Siva were, were going Around. They were going all around Ephesus trying to use the power of that name. They were perpetrating. They, 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 were, they were walking around as perps. They were perpetrating as if they were connected to and covered by the name. They, they, they were trying to use the name of Jesus for their own benefit and for their own profits. For their own selfish good. For their own selfish purposes. They, they were trying to use the name of Jesus to get the glory for themselves and not for the glory of God. And friends, whenever the focus of our ministries is on, is on us and not on God. Whenever our primary concern is how we can, how we can get famous and, and how we can get glory and praise for our names. And when we fail to give all the glory and all the praise and all the honor and all the worship to the name of the Lord... We are, in, we are perpetrating a fraud and we are setting ourselves up for embarrassment. Whenever the focus of our, our work as disciples is, is done so that we will get all the credit, so that the spotlight will be pointed in our direction, we are, we are working in our own power and outside the power and the will of Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. The seven sons of Seba were trying to exalt themselves. They were trying to make names for themselves. So they felt comfortable acting as if they had the power that came from the name until they came across a spirit that had more power than them. You see, you see, you see, Seba's boys, they came across a real one one day. They, 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 they said to the man with the, with the evil spirit, in the name of Jesus, you, you know, 
In the name of Jesus, that, that dude, that, 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 that fellow, that, that, that dude, uh, 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 Paul be talking about. That, in the name of him, in his name, we command you. Yeah, we, we command, yeah, we command you, come on out. We command you, come on out. And brothers and sisters, this is the part of the text uh, uh, that, this is the part of the text should, should be like a warning label, though it's funny. Uh, it should be like a disclaimer for anyone and everyone that thinks they are doing something in the name of Jesus. We like to say we're moving in the name of Jesus. We like to say that we're speaking in love and Jesus told me to tell you this. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful how we use the name of Jesus. The man's response and what he, what he does to these brothers is hilarious. But more importantly, it teaches us not to play with the name of the Lord. It teaches us to choose our words and to choose our actions and how we engage with people wisely. The evil spirit looked, well, the evil spirit that was in the man looked them boys up and down and said, he said, uh, uh, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Jesus, I know. I know him, I know him when I see him. And Paul, you know, I've heard about him. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with him too, but uh, who are you? This man with the evil spirit literally beat the clothes off these seven boys' backs. People, people know that you people know when you're faking the funk. I had a friend that used to tell me, she said, she said, hey man, real, real recognize real. The seven sons of Siva tried to perform an exorcism knowing they weren't real. They tried to perform an exorcism using power that they didn't have access to and they paid the price for it. The spirit that they were trying to cast out ended up casting them out. We have to be careful in trying to use the name of Jesus, Jesus if we don't have access to its power. If we don't understand it, if we are connected to and covered by the name, we should, be, we should do everything that we can to feed our spirits so that we can access the power of the name of Jesus. The, the, the beating that these seven boys took teaches us all that if you're using something powerful and you don't actually know how to use it, you run the risk of getting yourself hurt. But the question is, who are you? That's the question that the man, that the man with the spirit asked the seven sons of Siva. And that is the question that I want to pose to you today. Who are you? Who are you called to be? Who, uh, what are you called to do? What, who are you connected to? To who are you covered by? In whose way are you following? Brothers and sisters, the question is, who are you? Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But, but who are you? It's Black History Month. Malcolm, I know. And Martin, I know. But who are you? Coretta, I know, and Betty, I know, but who are you? Harriet, I know, and Ella, I know, but who are you? Barbara Jordan, I know, and Shirley Chisholm, I know, but who are you? Medgar Evers, I know, and Carter G. Woodson, I know, but who are you? Maya uh, Angelo, I know, and, and Langston Hughes, I know, but who are you? Baldwin, I know, and Rustin, I know, but who are you? Ali, I know, and Jim Brown, I know, but who are you? Thurman, I know, Mays, I know, but, but 
But who are you? Du Bois, I know, and Booker T, I know. But who are you? Fannie Lou, I know, and Bethune Cookman, I know. But who are you? August Wilson, I know, and Sam Cook, I know. But who are you? Barack, uh, I know, and Michelle, I know. But who are you? Hodo, I know, and Hamilton, I know. But who are you? That is the question. You got to know who you are in God if you are going to do what the Lord wants you to do. This episode in the book of Acts is, is funny. It's something we can read and, and laugh at. They were playing with God and God let them know why they shouldn't play with God. But when the people of Ephesus, the Jews and the Gentiles alike, when they heard about what happened, they put some respect on the name of Jesus. They held it in the highest regard. People from all over the city were in awe and they came to believe in the way of Jesus. Some of them came confessing their former sins. They, they were so moved that those who, who, who used to practice sorcery confessed their practices and, they, and, they, and they, um, they used to practice sorcery for their own profit and for their glory. They publicly burned their sorcery books. See, we can see that and stop right there. But the beautiful thing about this moment is in the text is that we see a shift from the falsehood of self-glorification to the power of authentic belief in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, there is truth. There is conviction in that name. There is peace in that name. There is safety in that name. But most importantly, there is love in that name. The people who got to see the contrast between Siva's boys and Paul and the other Jesus disciples were able to see that in the way of Jesus, there is power, there is love, and there is safety. The beautiful thing about this moment in the text is that we get to see, uh, we get to see the disciples, how the disciples created a space and an atmosphere in which unbelievers felt welcomed and safe enough to confess their wrongdoings. The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other so that we may be healed. The prayers of the righteous can accomplish much. If we are the righteous, if the church is the righteous, then the church should be a place uh, in which people feel comfortable coming to confide in us. We should be creating spaces and, uh, in which everyone can come to us who bear the name, come to us who bear the name of Christ uh, without fear of exposure, without fear of criticism, without fear of condemnation. That's the beautiful part of the text. If we are to be disciples that make disciples, then we must realize the truth in Dr. King's words. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. If we want somebody to get saved, if we want to speak to somebody in love, the key is to love them. If there's something that the Lord wants us to do, then we must answer the call when we receive it. We must realize that we are called to point people in the right direction. We're called to point people in the direction of Jesus Christ. We must accept the will and the work of the Lord that is being done through us. Teresa of Avila wrote, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. 
Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are the body. Christ has no body now, but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. Friends, throughout the book of Acts, the word of the Lord grew abundantly. The church strengthened powerfully and the believers increased in number. This was only possible through the work of God's Holy Spirit, working through the apostles, working through the believers, and it's that same work that is working through you. There is something that the, world, that the Lord wants you to do, and, and that is to be a signpost. Be like a signpost that points people in the right direction towards Christ. I'm reminded of that iconic image uh, from the Lorraine Motel after Dr. King was shot. I'm reminded of that picture where Andrew Young and Ralph Abernathy and, and, and Jesse Jackson were pointing to the police. They were pointing the police in the right direction of where the shot came from. And brothers and sisters, that's what the Lord wants us to do. To humbly point people in the right direction. When someone comes to us asking, what must I do to be saved? We've got to be prepared to point them into the direction of Christ and him crucified. When someone comes to us with their problems, we have to be prepared to offer them tangible help and to point them to Calvary. We have to be prepared to point them towards the cross, to point them towards the empty tomb, to point them towards our risen Savior. We have to be ready to share our story with people. Because somewhere I read that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and, and by the word of our testimony. Every believer has a sermon to preach. Your testimony should be like a fire shut up in your bones. We should all have that overwhelming feeling that woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me if I do not share my story. Woe is me if I do not point everyone I encounter to the cross of Calvary. Woe is me if I don't point everyone to Jesus Christ. Woe is me if I don't point everyone to an empty tomb. Woe is me if I don't preach, point everyone to God Almighty. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Brothers and sisters, there is something that the Lord wants you to do. For me, like every preacher, like, like every disciple, I'm a signpost. I'm a signpost that was made and saved by God to point everyone in the right direction. But my friends, the question is, who are you? God bless you.